Today we're sitting with Eric Feigl. Eric Feigl is a personal trainer, which I find fantastic, and I hope to take advantage of it. One thing I like about Eric, though, from what I've heard and seen, is he's a bit more, I'd say, old school. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it more in the sense of back to the basics, getting things done. I don't really think of him as a pill pusher or a supplement guy. Just... um straight body workout and we'll find out more about it but he also is a very well educated i think he's a bit more than uh taking an online certification course and being a personal trainer so eric how did you get into personal training well thanks for having me on the show first eric i appreciate it um so it's it's not that interesting um unfortunately i wish i had a better story but when I was, so I, I wasn't very athletically gifted, I would say. I probably uh, worked a lot harder than than uh, most people, but I still wasn't that great. So my, my high school, you know, playing career didn't last very long at all. Um, but I got hurt when I was, what's that? What sport? Uh, it, was, it was in basketball. So it was, I was a freshman when I got hurt. Um, I was doing some sprints. And I remember running and I got to about the, you know, they were just doing like the ladder drill and I got to the uh, free throw line and I, my knee hyperextended, my right knee hyperextended. I hit the ground. I kind of grabbed it and I couldn't get back up. I was hobbling. Long story short, come to find out, I ended up having surgery on it when I was 14, which was probably overkill. And I wish I would have known now, but I still probably wouldn't have, you know, gone past high school athletics. (laughs) So I guess it doesn't (laughs) matter, but um, basically what happened was my, my bones were going faster than my ligaments were. So as I extended, mm-hmm. I just had a quick snapback, which, uh, apparently is pretty common. Um, which is weird. Cause I capped out at a, at a staggering height of five ten. So it's not like I grew, <laughs> you know, super, super tall or anything, but. Sprints are dangerous though. Sprints really are dangerous. There's something that you kind of need to be trained into with yeah, form, that, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not dangerous unless you're not trained in them. Right. So if you had, if you have some, if you are properly uh, warmed up and you know, proper running technique, then great. But you know, as a 14 year old high school basketball right. player, you just get on the line and you run as hard as you can. But when, uh, so anyway, after that, I didn't really put much, too much thought into it. Still played some rec center ball. Um, even played in college, played some intramural basketball, uh, all the way till, you know, grad school. Anyway, when I was a, a, a senior in high school, I kind of started thinking to myself, okay, what am I going to do with my life? And I thought, well, I'm like to be active. I like being healthy. Uh, didn't really strength train and work out or anything like that besides, you know, just playing sports. It just wasn't a thing then. Um, and maybe it still isn't in high school now, but I think it's, it's becoming more prevalent. The, the ideal route for me I, at that time, I thought was I'm going to be a PE teacher. You know, okay. I'm going to teach uh, physical education. I'll teach a curriculum. I'll teach something on the side, social studies, whatever, whatever it is, whatever they teach. And then when I started getting into it, uh, by the time I was a sophomore, that's when in college, that's when I really started to, to work out, like lift weights, uh, still playing sports, doing those kind of things. And I started to look on other routes. When I started making a curriculum in class, I'm like, this is, this is terrible. Like, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like doing this. I don't like I don't, the idea of going back to school and being a teacher 
didn't excite me anymore. So mm. I started looking at other routes. And by the time I was a junior, um, I started looking into athletic training and got into athletic training, which was a, a what is that exactly? So, and I, and since I'm not an athletic trainer, I can't like speak to everything that they do, but basically the people that you see on the sidelines that, that, uh, that assist injured athletes, you'll have like a head, head athletic trainer that will come out to the field. Um, they'll assess joint mobility, you know, if an injured in, and if a player is injured, they might come out and ask all like the protocol questions. But most of the time, you know, they're the people who will, um, help injured athletes in the weight room in terms of like, you know, mm. setting up a, stel uh, um, a STEM machine or wrap ankles, uh, wrap any kind of joint. And there's a, there's a, there's much more to it than that. I'm, I'm not doing them justice because they're very important. Say it again. Offshoot. Of, I'm sorry. Is it an offshoot of uh, physical therapy? I don't know if it's technically, I don't, I don't, that's a good question. I, I don't know because I know, I know there, there are some definitely cross sections of, of both of them, but I don't know, like, um, I know physical therapists have to have a doctorate now. I'm not sure if athletic trainers do, you know, so okay. there, there's definitely, there's a fork in the road somewhere, but my route led me to, uh, about a semester into that. I, I was working for the, the football team and I just decided that I didn't want to wrap ankles for the rest of my life. I didn't want to wrap <laughs> football player feet for the rest of my life. And, and okay. If there's anybody out there who is thinking about going into it, keep going for it. It could be for you. It just, it, it just wasn't for me. Um, but then, <laughs> but then I, I got, I step, I kept with that exercise science part of, uh, part of thing. And the downfall I think to, to the college curriculum is they don't, they don't teach you about personal training. A lot of places are, uh, they don't have that in their curriculum. It's much more, mm. um, theoretical versus practical. I don't even know if it's theoretical. It's more clinical. Okay. So they, they are getting you prepped to be like a physical therapist or a nurse, mm. nurse practitioner, though. It, that's, that's what it goes down. I remember having, you know, I think one weight training class that was, you know, a one credit class. And I was mm. more interested in that in designing exercise programs than I was uh, reading MRIs and whatever else they had us doing that were, you know, two, two, three credit classes. That was more uh, in grad school, but anyway, I. So, so are you? Are you the guy? Or technically, you were, you were trained to, um, like, take muscle samples and things like that to determine lactate threshold, et cetera. Uh, I didn't get that deep into like that the biomarker side of things. What we did it was when I really got into exercise science, we were in the assessment training and prescription lab. So we would anybody that walked into the lab uh, would go through. Um, you know, cardiovascular protocols, stretching protocols, uh, one, one rep max protocols, things like that. And they were mostly coming to us because it was extra credit for a class <laughs> Okay. or, or you'd have an athlete who just really wanted to know their BMI, you know, or, or a skin mm -hmm. fold. So that's, um, that's where all of that went down. And that, that was the most enjoyable part of all of it. And, and during that, that time you'd have one or two people, maybe grad assistants that would help you develop exercise programs and things like that, or help you on, on things that you really cared about. But they also had a checklist of things that they needed to get done. So, you know, we, they would have us, um, you know, do, do all of the cleaning and, you know, all of the, <laughs> the grunt work basically. Sure. But, but that's where I think, um, I really started to get into like, man, I, there's gotta be more out there than, 
uh, being a physical therapist. Physical therapists are great. We need them. They're awesome. But I didn't see myself in a in a typical physical uh, therapist setting. So I just started researching other options and I came across personal training and all of the many avenues that trainers can go into, it is seen right at my my alley, especially the entrepreneur side of things, because I mm. I, I tend to I tend to like to to be on my own and create my own thing and um and if I got to to work out on my <laughs> my downtime, that didn't <laughs> seem like a bad idea either. So that's kind of how I got into it. After after um undergrad, I decided to go back. I stayed at Eastern Illinois, um, went into their, their kinesiology and sports studies program, which was a year, kind of an accelerated program. So I think most of those kind of programs are about two years. This was a one year plus summer, uh, accelerated program. So it was pretty intense, but it now, was now what is, definitely worth it. I'm sorry. Now, what is that exactly? I know about the kinetic hmm. chain, how everything ties together, but so kinesiology basically is the study of human movement, how people move and all the systems that, that go into that cardiovascular system, muscular system, skeletal system. So it's all of that in one. Uh, and that's why I wanted to, to go into it really, because I, I wanted to, I wanted to be, and I think my clients can attest to this. I wanted to be the stickler who wouldn't let you get away with, um, like the slightest variation in movement. I want quality before anything mm. else, quality of the repetition, quality of the movement of the exercise before anything else, before you go up a, a pound in weight, you're going to master the technique of the movement. And that's form. what, we're, yeah, a form form over function, form plus function equals fitness. That's kind of my tagline. And, um, I think it holds true, but so, so after finishing, uh, grad school and, and going through all that, and we can talk a little bit more about like the education of a personal trainer. Cause I, oh, do, sure. think that, I do think that's important, but, um, I started working for a company called Dynamic Fitness Management, and that was my first introductory to uh, personal training. I actually, no, that's not true. I worked for a small club before that, but the club was kind of starting to go under. And come to find out, I actually researched it a few weeks ago, and it's no longer in Edwardsville. It's called Our Health Club and Spa. Um, mm. So there was a disconnect between like the front desk and the trainers. So you, you kind of had to like be on the in with the in crowd and know everybody to get clients from the, mm. from the front desk. And, you know, I, I didn't know anybody, I wasn't part of like, I didn't go to the same high school, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I didn't really know anybody. Um, but I hung around the club as much as I could. I had a few clients and decided to make the jump to go work for Dan dynamic fitness management. And then from there I, I bounced, uh, I, I could talk a little bit more about DFM if you wanted me to dynamic fitness management, because absolutely. Sure. So it, that's dynamic a fitness, corporate wellness. No, actually, it's right before the corporate wellness gig. So Dynamic Fitness Management okay. was basically the um, the company inside of, I got to remember the name of the gym. I think it was Club Fitness or Fitness Club or something like that. It, it was almost 10 years ago, so it's a little, little hazy, but I, and I wasn't there for very long before I made the jump. But um, the uh, the idea was that we were subcontractors inside of this gym. So mm -hmm. think of the, the trainers that you see inside of an LA fitness. Mm -hmm. If I think they are LA fitness trainers, but if they weren't, it's basically that kind of setup where you come in, you sign up for a club package. And then if you want a personal trainer, you sign another package and you know, you're, you're packaged out gotcha. and you know, you use your appointments and the trainers don't get paid anything, but you're worked to death and that kind of thing. Well, if you're very good at being worked to death, which I happen to mm -hmm. be very good at being worked to death. Cause I, I just, I, I liked the grind of it. I didn't care. I'd work any hours. I would take any client. I would do anything. Um, 
mm-hmm. to, to be successful in that in that arena, they they look at you. They're like, hey, and we're going to groom this person, that person, this person to be a a training director. And what a training director basically does is your training hours are reduced to could be right. 10, hour, 10, 10 hours a week. And you're just on sales, keeping, keeping all, all of your sheep in line and trying to sell packages. And I just didn't want to do that. But Right. You lose touch with the uh, whole point of what you're trying to do. Yeah. It just didn't become fun anymore. And I, I shadowed uh, the, uh, the training director for quite some time. And I just told him, I was like, hey, man, I, I don't think I'm going to do this. And when you say that kind of thing, then all of a sudden you're on the outside again. They look for sure. the next person and then they give that person more, more clients, more you know, you're just not, you're not looked on favor, favorably anymore, which is unfortunate. But, but I did like, I did like the club. I did like dynamic fitness management. And I hope they're doing well if they're still out there. But that's when I made the jump to corporate wellness. I worked for, uh, that's when I moved from the St. Louis area to Cincinnati. And I, I worked for a company called corporate fitness management, which was just bought out by Equinox, I think, um, maybe two or three years ago. Now, what is corporate wellness corporate wellness is basically it is a system set up that primarily focuses on a company's employees for instance i was inside of uh, the humana insurance company which is a there's a call center in cincinnati and we would provide services to only their employees so okay. if you worked for corporate fit. If you worked for Humana, you'd come down to the fitness facility inside of your building. And I'm talking full, full service fitness facilities. And not all of them are like this, but, um, full locker rooms, beautiful locker rooms. The whole place was about 10 to 12,000 square feet. Um, we had uh, full workout floor with, um, you know, very, I wouldn't say top of the line equipment, but it was very good equipment, group exercise classes. Uh, and it was a very, very small amount that, that you paid. I think you paid $6 a pay period. I, hmm. I sound like I'm selling now. You say, no, that's fine. It's interesting. $6, $6 per pay period. And if you come on an average of twice a week for the, the calendar quarter, then it drops down to $3 per, per pay period. So you get kind of a discount the more you come. And they're sell, and the company benefits by less sick days, uh, better exactly. health employees, and that gets the benefits down, things like that. That's what they. That's what you're trying to sell, essentially. Whether that happens or not is a, whole, is a different thing. <laughs> How's the participation in it? Uh, that's a good, that's a good question. So I, I, and again, this has been, um, I, well, to, to go into this. So I worked for corporate fitness works. Um, I was the assistant director more or less in this facility and on campus. I, I think we had around between two buildings. I think there were 600 total employees and we might've had, Rough, rough estimate here, but I'm going to say 125 of those people were, were members. That's not, pretty good. Not, well, those were members. Now, active members were probably around, and may, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but it comes to mind between 50 and 75. That, in that terms of that, like yeah, but in terms of that, so you think of that, and it's not that bad. Um, most people didn't like the fact that it was... Um, that it was that you had to pay to be a member. They thought it should be free, which I, I can, I understand. Uh, but it's, I mean, you gotta think like the amenities that you're getting and the quality that you're getting the value group classes, exercise programs. Like there's so much to be added, but there's uh, an argument to be made to, about paying. Um, a lot of times when there are free shows and things like that, mm-hmm. 
people just won't go. But if you get a couple bucks out of them, because they're not paying hardly anything, right? But they're paying just enough to where they feel an obligation. Oh, I paid for this. So that may inspire them to actually, you know, go more frequently. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's where the value comes in. You know, that's, you, you put a perceived, a monetary value on it and, and you hope that people actually pick up on that. But I, I think, uh, you know, and I, I'm not quite old enough to, to, to remember when um, actual corporate wellness took off, but, you know, doing some like history, historical research on it, there's like the peak of it, I think was in the mid early to mid nineties. You start to see like a trend of, of those kind of settings going to workplaces. And then they kind of tapered off late nineties to, to, to two thousands, early two thousands. And now you're starting to see that trend again. Um, now it's starting to go back on the upswing and there's maybe like, there's only a handful of really big corporations that do those things kind of now, but man, I mean, you, you can get as detailed as, as having like, you know, full fledged, um, training camp classes, but you can get as minimal as, as having, you know, nobody staffing the place at all and just coming in a 24 hour facility. You come in wherever you want and just take your workout card, beep in and you're, you're off to the races. So they, they vary in, in range and price. And, um, you know, if, if the company does it right, then it's very beneficial, but if they can't get across to the people and get, you know, the old saying though, you can't lead a horse, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Sure. You can put a facility in somebody's workplace and they still won't go. <laughs> Sure, sure. So it's kind of the kind of the same thing. Yeah, it kind of makes me think of you can have this beautiful fancy gym and people aren't doing anything, but then you go by and you see these boxing clubs that are just dumps. Yeah, and they're killing they're, themselves. They're yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so, I, don't, I don't. That maybe that's a mindset thing. I don't know. That's you know, that's if you have it right in front of you, you either want to make the change or you don't want to make the change when it comes down to it. You know put a price on it. Don't put a price on it. Tell people you'll give them a box of cookies when they're done and they don't want to do it. Like there's some, there's some things that you, there's some people that just won't get motivated to take care of themselves when it comes down to it. I don't, if that sounds mean, I'm sorry, but it's true. That's a timing thing too. I mean, in fairness, I, for example, I never get on somebody who doesn't, you know, doesn't quit smoking because I smoked for a lot of years and I'd be a little hypocritical if I did. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I get on them, it's just going to get on their nerves and they'll probably want another cigarette. So I do think of it as a timing that people have to come to this point in their life where they say, yes, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Yeah. That's, if th- that's true. Yeah, that's true. And then they got to find, they got to find the will and the way to do it. Sometimes people get up and just getting out of bed, they get all their willpower zapped. Yeah. You know, just getting out of bed is like, that's it. I'm, I'm done for the day. You're lucky that I'm showing up to work. Anything else is out the door. So, mm-hmm. you know, where, where do you start? Um, but I think I, I, I say, I said that comment because I see a lot of people that come to even where I am now, they come to a private studio. So they're paying good money to come to mm-hmm. a private studio to have an appointment. And some people won't work hard or they won't do it for themselves. Right. And, and that, that to me, it, there, there's a, there's a missing link somewhere. Sure. And I don't know where that link is. And I, if I did, I'd probably be a, a billionaire and retired, but, <laughs> but I, I think, um, I think those people are still making a better choice. They're, they're making, uh, still making a commitment to themselves that 
I have an appointment. I'm going to go. If they if they have you know eight appointments scheduled and they make six of them, that's a win. Now, what do you do um, when somebody comes in? Do you do you try to change things up you know, just to see that okay they're they don't seem interested in this basic thing. Let's try wall balls. Do they like that? Do, let's try this. Do they like? Do you kind of fluctuate around to see if you can find um, something that connects with them? Yeah. So so let's let's jump forward since we're still talking like kind of career based thing. I after about two and a half years of being in corporate wellness. First of all, corporate wellness is a really good gig. It is very, there are a lot of downtime, tons of downtime. I mean, if my shift started at 6 a.m., I might not see anybody in the gym till 8. So what do you do for two hours? You clean, you do exercise programs, you might get your own workout in. Um, typically, you don't want to do that on clock. But, you know, if you have time to kill, sometimes you do. <laughs> and then if you see, then if you see people, um, hopefully people come down and if they make appointments with you to, to do, um, you know, to do exercise programs or to take part in a, a group class, you know, that's where everything starts to like line up and you feel good about what you're doing, but there's a lot of downtime. And I, frankly, we didn't do one-on-one uh, -on -one personal training. So I started to miss personal training and I happened across, um, a gym that's no longer in Cincinnati. It, it was called, uh, the workout at Adam's Landing, and it was part owner um, uh, Teddy Lamberditas. Who, if you know, in, if if you're a strength training person at all, you probably recognize that name. And another guy uh, by the name of Joel Wayne Scott. And there was one other person that I never met, but uh, anyway, Joel Wayne Scott and I hit it off right away. We saw eye to eye on a lot of things, and I walked in. I basically just said, "Hey, I'm I'm a, a trainer. I'm looking to train." And he said, "Leave me your number. I'll call you." And we linked up. And about two months into training at uh, the workout, he's like, hey, I'm going to open my own place. Do you want to come with me? And I said, hundred yeah, let's do this. And okay. he opened Mission 5 Fitness back in 2011, January 1, 2011. And so we are, so I'm, I'm a part of that. I don't own any of it, but I'm, I'm a trainer there. And then eventually I got out of corporate wellness and, and was able to kickstart my career into full-time training, which is what I do now. So to answer your question, if somebody comes in and they can't make it through, you know, a, a very a basic workout that you that you lay out, they're just not mm -hmm. motivated to push hard or something. Then you do you find an alternative. If they can't do a seated chest press, okay, let's try uh, dumbbell chest press. If they can't or they don't want to do that, they don't enjoy it, they don't like it. And I'm talking to the point where it's it's not worth the appointment to argue whether or not they should be doing the exercise. Because mm -hmm. there's some education that comes into it too. Here's why we're doing the exercise. Here's why it's beneficial. If they really, if they, every time they look at a machine, they say, I hate that machine. I hate that machine. Mm -hmm. Let's find something different. Fine. You know, we can do a resistance band chest press. We can do uh, push ups. We can do, you know, incline push ups. We, you try to make it to where they find the benefit and they receive the benefit. Okay. That's what I was wondering because I'm assuming there are more than one way multiple ways to get the same effect or similar effect. Yeah, there, there definitely are that that's where, that's where you look at things like machines, dumbbells, barbells, uh, body weight, um, kettlebells, you know, all, all these different devices, modalities, all of them are built to achieve one thing. You know, I, I, I can't, when people have the argument all the time about what's better, a barbell or a machine or barbell or dumbbell, how do you use it? Show me, show me your work ethic when you're using it. 
that's going to determine the benefit of the device. It's not, mm. it's not whether or not the device itself is better or, or worse than the other. How do you, as the individual, use that device? So, okay. I, I always had heard that um, free weights had the added benefit of having to balance the weight, so it kind of worked the core a little bit more. Um, you know, you can... You can work your, you, you can work, see that's, that's the whole thing. Like d doing, doing what exercise, if you're doing a chest press, you're, you're using, you know, for dumbbells, you're using unilateral work. So that mm -hmm. is a benefit rather mm -hmm. than choosing a machine or choosing a, a barbell. But what is that? What are you using it for? Are you doing a chest press and you're focusing on your chest? Are you doing okay. a shoulder press? Then you're focusing on the shoulder press. What is what are you trying to accomplish, and what is your work ethic into it? That's why that's why I use multiple tools. I I use mm -hmm. um, a seated chest press. I'm just doing that because it's an, you know it's an easy reference. Sure, sure. I use the seated chest press. Um, I use a use dumbbells, use barbells, use body weight in order to get the same effect. So one one's I I can't say one is better than the other. So you're looking for specificity then of, of a targeting essentially. Um, and yeah. If I, if I'm working that one movement, then that's what, that's what we're focused on. We're focused on that one movement and that one time. I, I, I don't like, I don't like, you know, using a whole, what people would consider like a compound movement, which I, which a compound next movement question. is something totally different. Go ahead. What was the, what's the question? That, that was my next question was how do you feel about compound movements? Like, Turkish get-ups or what, whatever these well, things are that work multiple things. So a compound movement is a movement that works more than one joint. Mm -hmm. So a leg press is a compound movement. Uh, a chest press is a compound movement, working the shoulder and the elbow. Hmm. These, these movements that, let's say like the Turkish get-up, which I, I won't teach it, I don't know how to do it, I don't find it very valuable or useful in most in most situations, mostly because I think things like that are very difficult to teach and I don't have that much time to spend with somebody. Okay. Um, and as a trainer, you want to try to minimize and reduce your risk. And I think mm -hmm. that is a very risky exercise. Um, or a risky movement if it's even an exercise, but I, I don't want to sound like too much of an a-hole because <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. People love those is it Fine, but, is it because there's too much going on that you said earlier you're very 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 specific about form mm -hmm. and can it be there's just too many movements in there that the form's going to be screwed up somewhere on the path possibly i just don't understand what it's for i don't know what a turkish get up is for what is it what's it doing i, I don't know I'm i don't either ask her. i don't either <laughs> i have no idea what i don't know what it is so that's why i don't do it you know, we're, we're, what I try to do with people is I try to build, I do very basic strength training. So I'm trying to build, um, build a, a healthy, balanced body, improving lean muscle mass, reducing fat, fat tissue, um, in a safe and effective manner as possible. Uh, and I, and I do that with the way the body already moves. You know, it pushes things, it pulls things at multiple planes of, of direction and motion. We carry things, we, we push overhead, we press overhead, we pick things off the ground. Now, now we're going to get into the term of functional. 
because all of that seems very, you know, those are functional and that, that's a that's a sexy word that people like to use. Like the Turkish get up, people might say is functional, and I I would disagree. But I think people say that because it's you know you're you're moving in a in an open plane of 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 uh, motion. You know you're you're using your body weight to control the situation. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get your muscles to be as strong as possible. So when you need to actually push yourself off the ground, you can do it with no hesitation. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think by I think by increasing the strength of each individual muscle is the best way to do that. If does that, does that make sense? I'm not saying, I'm not saying like, you know, doing isolation exercises, the only way to go. That's why we use multiple tools. But if you can strengthen your entire body to do its very basic functions, then, Mm. then it's a win-win. Now that brings me to, um, Turkish get, get up. It starts to make me think about CrossFit, which is sort of a major rage right now. Mm-hmm. And I personally have some troubles with it. I I think that um, the idea of competitive workouts are dangerous. Yeah. Or timing, like how many reps you can get in a certain period of time would seem to maybe go against your form idea. Yes. So... You know, man, CrossFit is such a tricky one because what it's done for fitness is you can't deny it's absolutely incredible. Mm. It's brought fitness to, um, to the forefront as, as a sport, which I don't think it is. I think what, what strength training specifically in terms of fitness is to protect injury from sport. I think when you put sport inside of, of exercise, then you're increasing your risk of injury. I think the people who you, we see, like, let's say on the CrossFit games, for instance, mm-hmm. those people are, first of all, they're genetic freaks. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Those, I, I compare those people to the NFL players of CrossFit. They are the very best and name whatever sure. pro, pro athlete you, you possibly can. Those, that's what those people are. Right. The rest of us who, who think we can perform that way and those kind of movements and more and essentially what people want is to look like those people because they look amazing. Right. right. I mean, they'll cover, they'll cover model ready everywhere they go. And there's a lot of things that go into that. Certainly the exercise is one, but the, the rest is one and all that stuff. But basically the rest, if they're the pro athletes, the rest of us are like JV football players. Like we can show up for practice. We can play the sport but we're never mm-hmm. going to be recruited by a college to go on to play, to play pros. And I throw myself into that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I have the genetics to, to do what they do. Um, I just don't. And I think another thing about seeing the exercises they do, uh, I don't think majority of people should be doing Olympic lifts unless you are an Olympic lifter. Those exercises are talking about specificity. This is what I think of specificity. Someone doing a power clean or a snatch, and I don't even care for those exercises in general. I think they're very, they're very rough on the joints. I think they're very ballistic in motion and hard to control. And someone with much more knowledge about them can probably argue against me. That's fine. I just, I don't see, I don't see great value in them unless you're, you're going to be become someone who uses those specifically for your, um, you know, your, your activity, you're conservative. Say it again. You're conservative, essentially. You're I guess. Careful. 
I guess. Well, you, you don't want to go too far beyond what is a natural thing. Well, and see here. Okay, so what I was going to say is these these motions are they shouldn't be taught at a two day clinic and then expected someone to go teach those people who who have no reason to do a clean and jerk. Um, I don't think anybody who's not going to become an Olympic athlete should be doing Olympic lifts, let alone combining those explosive movements with extremely heavy weight for high repetition, which is not what they're designed for. They're designed to be heavy weight for low repetition and then mm. lots of rest. They're not, you're not supposed to do, you know, a quarter mile sprint with a kipping pull up right after, you know, you max pulled. Well, I guess it's not max pull, but you, you deadlift, you know, 230 pounds for 20 reps. You know, mm. there, there's, there's too many signals going on at once. Of course, you're, you're risking, um, you're increasing your, your risk for injury. Um, over time, the benefit, the, the risks, I think for majority of people definitely outweigh the benefits. I think it's just, I think it's too risky. There are good CrossFit coaches out there. I, I know one or two of them who know how to, who know how to teach people how to do a deadlift properly, how to squat properly, which are very valuable movements. But then you get into, you know, snatching and cleans and jerks and those kind of things. And I just, I don't, I don't see the value in them unless that's what you're going to train to do. And that's it. Everything else should revolve around those motions. So then on that note, what would you recommend as a program, especially someone um, I'm a runner, but just consider me an out of shape slob. <laughs> you're, I said all my day. ideal client. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And I, I work in the corporate environment. Mm -hmm. um, now I despise the gym. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to go there. Um, part of the reason I like to run is I put on my stuff, I go out the door and I'm immediately working out. Mm -hmm. What kind of program would you put together for, you know, somebody like me, I don't have a lot of money, just want to do stuff, get in shape, harden up. Yeah. Just so, so, so general fitness at home. Um, and look, when I say general fitness, and I talk to a lot of people who are who are in who are in my world as personal trainers, um, and they're and they're successful and they're great and they get great results. They have clients that um, they they might have the mindset that everybody that's out to exercise wants to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. The idea that a, a personal trainer is a bodybuilder, I think, is a very old school way of thinking about what personal trainers are. Um, more than anything, we're accountability partners. Um, you know, we're, we, we are 100% here. We are scheduled for you. You come in, we are the professional. I'm going to try to pull as much effort out of the person as they want to give me. I'm not going to, you're an adult. If you come and see me, you've already made the decision to be there. So you either work hard or you don't work hard. I'm not going to like plead and beg with you to get another rep. If you're not going to get another rep, it's up, right. it's up to you. Like there's some, at some point, I, I will be your biggest fan until you don't, until you don't need it or you don't want it. Mm -hmm. So, fair. okay. So, so starting, so starting there, if you're, if you're wanting to, to get the benefit of, of, uh, exercise and strength training specifically. So let's, let's, let's define strength training. Strength training is, is your, your effort against, um, an outside force essentially. So the outside force being like a machine or, um, body weight resistance, even though body weight resistance can cap out, but you can still get some very good benefits from it. So 
um, you're going to incre increase lean muscle mass, decrease uh, fat mass, improve overall body composition. Um, there, there's an awesome article. I'm not going to name off all 12. It'll bore people. But there's an awesome article by uh, one of the leading researchers in exercise science, Dr. Wayne Westcott, called The 12 Reasons Every Adult Should Strength Exercise. I can, I'll send that to you so you can link it to the yeah. notes. It's, and he's got a ton of great um, – he's been doing it for – God, probably 40 to 50 years. I mean, the guy's, the guy's incredible. I got lots of good research. But so there's, there's a multitude of reasons beside just looking good and getting muscle because mm -hmm. the amount of effort that goes into getting a lot of muscle is very difficult. So having that as the baseline, if you were at home and you wanted to get like a 20 to 30 minute workout in, um, let's say you had, uh, you had to have some some, some equipment like resistance bands, for instance, or if you had like mm. small dumbbells, you know, most people who are working out at home might have something like that. I'm going to go down the line and I'm going to start with, I'm going to recommend a, at least a body weight squat. Okay. Um, and I can, you know, for listeners out there who, who may not have any idea, I want to put together a program. I'll send it to Eric and he can link it, but awesome. it's going to be Thank a, you. You're welcome. This is going to be a body weight squat. So you're going to target the glutes, the hams, the quads, um, your hips, and uh, it's going to strengthen your knee joints and your ankle joints. It's a very large muscle group, burns a lot of calories, puts on some, some good solid muscle. And then you're going to go to an upper body uh, pressing exercise. So if you have a resistance band, you'd place it behind you and you press it out in front for a chest press. And then you'd want to turn around and do the exact same plane of motion, opposite direction. So you do a row, a mid row. So you'd be targeting, mm -hmm. targeting your, your mid back and some lats. Um, now, if you only have like a resistance band, it's going to be hard to do an incline chest press, but it can be done. So that's something I would recommend trying to do. Otherwise, you're going to press, you're going to step on that resistance band and you're going to press it directly above head. You can go into a shoulder press. Okay? okay. And then you can anchor that same resistance band somewhere high, like on a door frame and, and places like perform better. They have anchors that you can tie into um, resistance bands and anchors from someplace high, like, like a, like a door jam and you're going to pull it straight down. So you're essentially you're, you're working, uh, you're pulling vertically, you press vertically. Now you're going to pull vertically. Does that make sense? Okay. So you're working the shoulders so and then you're opposites. going hundred. Exactly. You're building a, a balanced body in, in the planes of motion that you'd normally move. Um, and then if, if the person's able, um, I'd like to see a, a walking lunge. So you got, you have more, um, stability in, in the, it's very quad heavy, but you're also getting glutes and hamstring work as well as, as, uh, as calves and, and some, some ankle movement. It's a very tricky motion though, just like any, 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 uh, lower body movement, especially body weight. So you're very, you know, you have to be very careful with what you do. Um, and then some lateral raises for the shoulders. If you're stepping on a band, you move your hands out to the side. You want to hit your rear delts also. So you're going to pinch your shoulder blades together with that band. Um, and then I would recommend for, for most people, another thing, and there are some other things you can do with resistance bands also, but that's a very basic workout. Two sets is plenty. Um, one very hard set for someone who's a little more conditioned is mm -hmm perfectly fine. If you can work your muscle to all, to momentary muscular failure, which means if you're pressing out and you legitimately can't get another rep and then you mm -hmm. relax, that's momentary muscular failure. Um, okay. both, both motions need to be accentuated. So on the key, the concentric phase, so the pressing out that needs to be nice and smooth and controlled. 
I would recommend like three three seconds out, and then a good pause and smooth turnaround, and then three seconds uh, down on the eccentric phase. So so nice and smooth each way. Essentially, nothing nothing fast and ballistic. If you're if you're if you're doing the exercises just to get them done, you're not receiving the benefits. You know, I, I train a lot of people who come in, and, I, and if it, like if it's a small group of people, and I'll point to different exercises. Okay, here's what we're doing. All right, you have 12 reps over there. You've got 15 over here. You've got 20 over there. They just want to get them done. I'm like, you, the hour is going to go by as fast as the hour is going to go by. Like, get the benefit of the exercise. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and then so deliberate motion. Be very, be very focused and deliberate on every exercise that that you do. Um, I would rather see one intense. Um, and intense is is a loose word because it varies from person to person. But be as intentional and as intense with one exercise as possible. So you don't necessarily have to do, you don't need to do another, another set. Um, most people are going to benefit from two strength training workouts, 20 to 30 minutes, um, per workout. They'll benefit more than three strength training workouts. Um, two a week then? Two a week, two hard a week. Your rest is going to be your biggest, your, your, your best friend. You train, let's say on a Monday. New research are, is suggesting that your next best workout day would then be on Thursday. Okay. So you train on yeah. Monday, train again Thursday, and then maybe you go just live your life. You know, you eat good, you get some extra activity in, you run, do whatever you want to do, come back again, you train again on Monday, again on Thursday, and then you continue that cycle. Now, if I, I am a runner, for example, I need to do this on run days, correct? Because then I could heal from both because I worry that, okay, I run five days a week and the other two days I do strength training. When am I recovering? Right. So that's a good question. So, and a lot of people ask, ask me that, you know, when should I do these exercises? You can, I would recommend if you're a long distance runner, if you're, if on your short running days, you know, if you Mm -hmm. have whatever that looks like to, let's say, let's say a 5k or maybe, maybe even five miles. Um, easy run. Sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a light run, that's when you'd want to do the strength training. If you're going to be running five, five to six days a week, um, do strength training, run, you know, that varies from person to person. There's no solid research stating that you need to do one before the other. It all depends on the individual, how they recover. Um, okay. your, your cardiovascular system, you, your legs might be fatigued if you run first right. and then go into strength training. Um, that's why if you do strength training before and then you go run, it's probably not going to be as taxing if it's a short day, but in terms of like your cardiovascular function, your muscle output, you're not going to see that big of a difference in, in, um, you know, to where it's going to like shut you down from working out the rest of the day or moving the rest of the day. So, and then that, that goes to, that goes for regular cardio too, you know, do your cardio beforehand or after it just kind of depends on the person. Okay. That makes sense. And, and repetition range matters also. So I say this with a grain of salt. I don't want to offend anybody out there, but, but most runners like long distance runners might be classified as an ectomorph, like someone who, who's it's challenging to put on weight. Um, and, and people who, who are in that, that body frame, they want to keep Mm -hmm. their body weight low so, you know, they're not caring as much as less energy expenditure. You don't have to worry if you start strength training, you don't have to worry about adding, packing on a bunch of muscle tissue. Um, in the muscle tissue that you do pack on, which might be over 10 weeks, hopefully you should be able to get like a 40 to 50% um, uh, 
strength gain. Right. You might only pack on three pounds of muscle. You could reduce um, a little bit more fat. Probably mm-hmm. if you pack on four pounds of muscle, three pound, you lose three pounds of fat. Um, that's not going to be that much of a trade-off and that muscle sure. is going to help, you know, protect your joints, going to help protect your bones. Um, it's going to help your striking pattern. So that most of those people are going to be more adept. Uh, if you're an endurance athlete, you want to stick to probably a 12 to 20 rep range. That uh, would be my okay. suggestion. One set, 12 to 20 reps. Your last set or your last uh, repetition on each exercise should be very, very challenging. Once it gets to the point where you can do all 12 to 20 exercise or um, repetitions, mm-hmm. but you feel like you can do one more, then you should increase the weight if you're working with dumbbells, barbells, machines. Um, okay. If you work with like just resistance bands, like if you're doing that at-home workout, mm-hmm. slow down your repetitions. Go a little bit slower. Okay. Go four seconds instead of three seconds. You know, you can change, change repetitions that way. Okay, very cool. Yeah. And thank you very much for that. Oh, now, no I know you've got another appointment you got to get to. So we'll wrap it up today. I may want to revisit you. Um, I have a shorter episode sometimes called Addendums. Okay. And it would be cool if we could revisit and maybe talk about different um, ideas or styles of workouts. Yeah, we could definitely do that. I'm, I'm, no, I, I, I mean, people, people can check out um, my Instagram. It's at Eric Feigl. And, uh, I try to post, I, I don't do a very good, good job posting, but when I do, I try to post like my favorite workouts, workouts that, um, uh, when I'm going through with a client, um, I'm like, that was a great workout. I, I have to remember that. Cause sometimes you have to work on the fly. If you're a trainer, like you might go to a machine or a piece of equipment and it might be gone. So what do we do next? You know, you got to work on the fly and if something works out really well, uh, then I'll, I'll keep a mental note of that. And sometimes I like to share it with other people. So, um, I do provide a lot of, uh, you know, free workouts. I love helping people out. It's awesome. It's not taxing for me to write a workout for somebody. You know, it's something I enjoy, especially if it's strength training based. Also, Eric has a great um, podcast out there called fitness candor, and you can find that in iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. Correct. Yep. That's right. Uh, fitness candor podcast. Um, a few years running now, uh, basically talk all things fitness related, nutrition related, running related. You were just on uh, today's episode actually just dropped today, ah. which is getting a lot of traction, a lot of good love. So, um, yep, that's, that's, uh, a resource that I, I refer to people quite a bit. So fitness scanner podcast, um, all of my social media is at Eric Feigl, uh, website at Eric Feigl also. So, uh, feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, I'm more than happy to, to talk shop and to help anybody out. Well, fantastic. And hey, thanks so much for coming on, man. 100% 100 my pleasure, man. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Eric here. I want to thank you again so much for listening. I know your time is valuable, so I really appreciate you taking some. If you like what you hear, please spread the word. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Unstructured P, as in podcast. Also, you can review the podcast in whichever app you use. It really helps a bunch to spread the word. Thanks again.